So this morning, we are in our third week of a teaching series called Real Life. Real Life. And we started this teaching series on Easter celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And the whole point of this teaching series is that you and I may experience the real life that Jesus rose from the grave to provide for each and every one of us. Real life. He defined it in John chapter 10, verse 10, this real life. Jesus in John 10.10 said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. Oh, that sounds so good, doesn't it? That full life, that fulfilling life, that rich, blessed life, real life, life to the full, life to the fullest. My observation in my 41 years of life, my observation in my 15 or so years as a minister, a pastor, and my observation over the past couple of weeks as I have interviewed people in preparation for this series, Real Life, my observation is this. Very, very few people are living that real life, that full life that Jesus came to provide. Very few people are living that kind of life. That is by their own admission, even as much as it is by my observation. And so God put this message series on my heart several weeks ago. In fact, it was a couple of months ago when he really kind of had a revelation in my life that I was missing out on the real life. Even as a pastor, I was not experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus came to give. Everybody can miss out on that fullness of life, whether you are a Christian or not. And so for the past couple of weeks, our focus has been on people who are not Christians. People who have maybe some doubts about God about whether or not he is real, about whether or not his promises apply, about whether or not the resurrection could have really happened. We've been focusing on those who don't know or maybe don't believe in God or believe that Jesus is God. Today we're going to shift gears. Today we're going we're to kind of redirect what we're talking about. Because for two weeks I've been dealing with those doubts I've been dealing with the unbelief. I've been dealing with those who have questions, right? I've been trying to help you find answers to those questions. I've been trying to challenge you to seek those answers on your own. I've been trying to help you deal with your doubts and unbelief and all of those things. But today we're going to talk primarily to the Christians in the room who are experiencing what I was experiencing several months ago. And that is a life with Jesus but not the fulfilling life that he came to give, the life that he promises. Interesting topic of conversation, interesting message that God has prepared for us. This John 10.10 real life is possible for Christians to miss out on. It's possible for those who claim his name to miss his promise 
of the fullness of life. In fact, Jesus addresses this in John chapter 15. And if you would, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open those up to John chapter 15. And while you're opening your Bible to John chapter 15, let me tell you a couple of things really quick. We're going to go back and forth to video today. And as you noticed in our worship set this morning, as we were singing our musical worship, we're having some technical issues with our TVs. Haven't had those technical issues in a couple of weeks. Thought we were past them. All of a sudden, they reared their ugly head this morning. So if we're in the middle of a video and the TV just drops out, guess what? It's okay. I'll just pick up where the video left off and keep preaching. You guys just direct your attention back from the TVs back to me. And boom, we'll roll on, all right? We're not going to let the enemy defeat us. We are going to do what we just said in that song. We're going to persevere, and we're going to move right on through, and we're just going to have a great worship service this morning, all right? So, if you haven't found John 15 yet, give up and let the video lead you where you need to go. If you have it, follow along as the video plays. Let's go. Hey, Elevation Church, Pastor Todd here on location at Delaney Vineyards in Grapevine, Texas. And the reason that we're here today at the vineyard is that I want to use these plants, these, these grapevines here, the same way that Jesus used them 2,000 years ago, and that is to illustrate how we are to live that John 10, 10, full life, that real life that Jesus said that he came, that we can all experience, that we can all live like that. He used these grapevines to illustrate that. And so that's what we're going to look at today in John chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 15 right now. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Here we go. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I've told you all of this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus used a grapevine to define this life or to show us how to live this life because it was an illustration that would have been really familiar to all of his followers. Maybe you've never been out to Delaney Vineyards or to any other vineyard where you could put your hands on the grapevines on a bright sunshiny day like today, but I think you can follow along with this illustration just as easily as his followers 2,000 years ago. By the way, we know that this was a message that Jesus spoke to the church because in verse 2, Jesus uses this phrase, every branch in me. The branches that are in him are the followers of his. They're, they're the Christians, the early believers in him. And so he is speaking this message to the faithful, 
to the church. And by the way, he repeats that phrase or some version of it many times throughout this passage of Scripture. So we know that this message is a message that Jesus gave to the church about how his followers can live what we might call the Christian life, that John 10.10 full life, that blessed life, that rich life that Jesus came, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again for all of us to have. So let's dig in. Let's see what Jesus is saying here in this passage, and let's see how you and I can live the real life. This real life is not real easy to understand or define. A lot of times we try to define the Christian life by, by what we do. What do we do or what do we not do? Well, I don't drink alcohol because I'm a Christian. And that, that, nothing wrong with that decision. That's okay. You can also be a Christian and drink alcohol. I don't do this or I do do this. I go to church every Sunday or whatever it is. We try to define it sometimes by what we do or what we don't do. I think we're going to find today that Jesus really didn't define the life of his followers in the same way that we today might think it is defined. I think our world and different influences in it have kind of affected how we view the Christian life and what we think we're supposed to do and who we think we're supposed to be. I've broken it down into three sections today that we're going to talk about. It's a little bit of an oversimplification, but if you'll work with me, I think these three things, if you'll apply them, they will, they will help you see and then help you experience what that real life is, all right? And the first of these three is that you must be in Jesus and you must have Jesus in you. It is you in Christ and Christ in you. That's the first thing that has to happen. You have to be in Jesus and have Jesus in you. And again, that's what we spent the past couple of weeks talking about, believing and receiving, right? That's a phrase that I've used a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is, God, and that he does what he says he will do. And that is forgive you for your sins, cleanse you from your sins, keep you from the consequence, the ultimate consequence of those sins. It's believing that he is God and that he does save, that he is who he says he is, that he does what he says he will do. And then it is receiving that forgiveness by inviting Jesus into your life, into your heart. And that word heart is, in the Hebrew word is nephesh. It's your spiritual heart. It's not the muscle in your chest, right? The one that pumps blood. I mean, I hope he's living in there for me because I'm pretty sure that, you know, that'll keep it pumping for a while longer, right? But it's the spiritual center that you're inviting him into. And when he comes and takes up residence in your heart, he fills you with the Holy Spirit of God. So you have placed your faith in Jesus. You are in him, and you invite him in to you. So now you're in Christ, and Christ is in you. That's the first step towards living this real life. And the thing about that is, that's a one-time deal. This is not something you have to repeat over and over and over again. Jesus lived one life. He died one death. He was resurrected exactly one time. He forgave all of your sins, past, present, and future. With one faith commitment, you have Christ in you. 
and you are in Christ. It's a one-time thing. You don't have to repeat this over and over and over again. You're forgiven once for all of your sins. So if you're saved, you're saved. And saved is just a Christian word. You know, we, we developed our own language, Christ followers, right? Saved. What does saved mean? In pitching, saving is when you're, you know, the pitcher that, that wins the game at the end, right? They were already ahead. What does saved mean in Christianity? It means you've made a faith commitment to follow Jesus and that you are in Christ and that Christ is in you. So once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you're always a Christian. Once you're a branch in this grapevine, you're always a branch, right? That cannot be taken away from you. God is in you and you are in God. Now what happens? Now what happens? Well, when that Holy Spirit moves in and takes up residence in your nephesh, your spiritual heart, your spiritual center of your being, he begins a transformation. And this is an inside-out kind of a deal. He begins a transformation in your life. And it's not an immediate thing. He doesn't just poof you into a new life. I became a Christ follower, a Christian, when I was 21 years old. I'd been hearing about Jesus for about a year and understanding uh, the gospel and what it meant. And I really wanted to make this faith commitment. And I finally made this faith commitment, got over my fears and all of my, my doubts and questions didn't get answered. But I figured, so what? There was a lot of doubts and questions in my life that weren't answered that I had faith in things anyway. Like most of my science classes in school, right? I never understood all that. I just believed it kind of worked the way the teacher said it worked. And eventually I got there with my faith and I made my faith commitment to follow Jesus. And the funny thing is, the next day, I dropped more swear words than I had probably dropped in a week or two. And that was a lot for me, right? I didn't get poofed into perfection just because I made a faith commitment to follow Jesus. You with me? He doesn't just do that immediately. He changes you slowly, methodically, from the inside out. It's not immediate. It is a process. It's a process of God leading through the Holy Spirit who is in you and you following. God leading and you following. God leading and you following. And it goes like that for the rest of your life. God leads, you follow. Yes, you still make mistakes. Yes, you will still sin. Yes, you are still forgiven. Now get back up and keep following God because he is leading you to the real life that he has planned for you, to the real life that he prepared for you when he knit you together in your mother's womb, as the Bible says. He had plans for you before he laid the foundations of the earth. And if you'll follow him, he will lead you into those plans, into what he has prepared for you. But to keep the transformation going, to keep the change happening, you've got to make day by day, and in many instances, moment by moment decisions. Day by day, moment by moment decisions about whether or not you are going to follow God, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in you, or if you will follow your own will, your own way, or the way or the will of some other substitute that you have found to follow in your life, some other thing or person. Jesus talks about this. 
in, I believe it was verse 5, he said, remain in me. Let's see what he means by that. Hey, Elevation Church, I'm back on location, or maybe I should say still on location, here at Delaney Vineyards in Grapevine. I've got a question for you today. What do you think would happen if I took this branch right here and I broke it loose from the vine, from the grapevine that it's growing out of? I've got an answer for you too. Well, the first thing that would happen is about 30 seconds later, two big burly security guards from Delaney Vineyards right over here would roll up on a golf cart where they would have a very short and very um, gruff conversation with your pastor before they forcibly removed him from the premises. That's probably the first thing that would happen if I broke this branch away from the grapevine. But aside from that obvious thing that would go on, what else might happen? What would happen to the branch itself? It would die, wouldn't it? The grapevine branch would die if it was separated from the vine. But would it die immediately? I mean, would it immediately shrivel up and turn brown and, and be all crunchy and crispy and like really, really dead? No, of course not. It doesn't happen instantly. The vine would continue to be green. The leaves would continue to be soft. The, the branch itself would continue to be supple. And if it was producing fruit right now, and the, the grapes right now are just barely coming out, they're these tiny little microscopic green dots you can't see uh, on the camera. But if it had fruit on it, that fruit would even stay, you know, okay for several hours, maybe even for a couple of days. It's kind of like when you go to the florist and get fresh cut flowers, and you take them home, and you put them in a vase of water, and those flowers have been separated from the plant that supports them, They've been cut loose from it, but they stay looking and feeling and smelling fresh and alive for some time, days, sometimes even weeks, if you're lucky. And that's kind of what would happen with the grapevine as well if it was separated from its branch. It would look good, it would feel good, it would smell good, but in reality, it would be dead, wouldn't it? It wouldn't look it, it wouldn't smell it, it wouldn't feel it, but it really would be dead. And why? Why would it be? Because it's separated from the vine, separated from the source of life, from the source of power for living the way that these vines live. That's what happens to us. That's what happens to, to Christians, to followers of Jesus, when they separate themselves from the one true vine who is Jesus, and they try to live without him. They begin living a kind of less than life, a life that is not full, not blessed, not rich, not meaningful or fulfilling, but a life that is, that is less than. It would be a life that would be maybe marked by um, discouragement or, or feeling like you just can't quite get ahead, can't succeed, like you can't just catch traction for, for the life that you want. And the reality of that is you can't when you're living separated from the vine who is Jesus. And the longer that we live like this, the more we start to search for the reason why. Why can't I find that vitality? Where did all of the, the feel good, where did the vibrancy of my life go? And we start to look for answers. And many times the first place we point the finger is actually at God. We point the finger of accusation at God. We say it's his fault that I'm not living the life 
that I want to live, that I'm not living a fulfilling, rich, blessed, real life. It's God's fault because maybe God isn't real. Maybe I believed something that wasn't true. Or maybe I put too much stock in God's promises. Maybe his promises were meant for people 2,000 years ago, but they're not meant for me today. Or maybe, maybe God's promises are real, but those promises are for people who are more religious than I am or are better in some way than I am. Maybe I'm just not meant to live that full, rich, blessed, real kind of life. Maybe I'm meant to live in, in mediocrity, to live cold, dry, and dead. Nothing could be farther from the truth. None of us were meant to live that cold, dry, dead life. And if you're living like that, if you're living unfulfilled, even though you're a follower, even though you're a Christian, here's the thing. You've simply separated yourself from the one true vine. You've pulled yourself away from Jesus and you've tapped into yourself or to some scheme of the world as your source of power, your source for living. And what you're experiencing right now in that kind of flatline life, that less than life, it's power failure. Because whatever you've tapped into for power for living, it's, it's not really empowering real life. You need to get back with Jesus. You need to remain in the one true vine because he is the only source of power for real life, for real living. Here's the good news. You still have him in you. If you're a Christian living that life, you still have Jesus in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He still loves you. He's not abandoned you. You're still saved. You're still forgiven. You're still a Christian. You're just not following Jesus. You're a Christian, but not a Christ follower. You've removed yourself from the vine. You're not abiding in Christ. And so when you lose that connection, you lose the real life. What do you do? You tap back into the vine. Tap back in to the power for living that comes through Christ Jesus. Unlike these grapevines, you can reattach. If I broke the vine away, I couldn't stick it back in and keep it alive. But you and I, we can reattach. We can go back to the source and get back the power and get back the real life. Here's what you do if you want to do that. You repent. You repent. That's just a military term. Repent means about face. If I'm facing you right now and I'm walking towards uh, uh, something that is not the right power source for living, some, some substitute for Jesus, repent means I simply turn 180 degrees and I walk back this way towards God. That's what repent means. You need to repent today if you're a, if you're a Christian and you're not following Jesus. Turn away from whatever little g God is in your life and turn back to the one true God, the one true vine, the real source of power for real living. And when you do that, when you repent, when you make that 180 degree turn and walk away from whatever little g God you're following and walk back towards God, that is what Jesus means when he says you have to remain in him. You can't separate yourself from the vine and then stay separated. When you realize you've been separated, reattach. Repent and reattach. 
when you have done that, and when you have let God in your life and you are in Him, Christ in you, you in Christ, stay attached to the vine, stay attached to Jesus. You've done the first two of the three things that I said we could kind of oversimplify this real life into a definition with. And the third thing is this. Now that you have Christ in you and you are in Christ and you are remaining in Christ, you have to let Jesus live through you. Not just live in you, right? But live through you. Live through you. You're in the vine. You're staying in the vine. Now you've got to let the vine empower you for real living. Empower you to produce the fruit that the Bible says is the evidence of that real life. What kind of fruit? Grapevines produce grapes. Apple trees produce apples, right? What kind of fruit does a Christian produce? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 answers that question for us. Galatians 5, 22, the Apostle Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of living the real life that God has for us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It continues and says, against such things there is no law. Amen, that's a good news right there, right? There's no law against that. That's good living. That's real life. If you could live a life that was marked by those things, if your life was defined by that fruit, if the people around you looked at you and saw faithfulness and goodness and gentleness, if they experienced you in the highs and the lows of life and they saw that you were a person of self-control, wouldn't that be awesome? If you could just do that with your spouse and your children life would get better instantly right if your spouse or your children could do that with you that would even be better wouldn't it y'all stop looking at your spouses no elbow throwing all right my wife's on the back row she can't reach me from here but I got the look right that's what I'm talking about I'm talking about living a life that is marked by this kind of fruit ask yourself are you producing that kind of fruit in your life Better question, are you letting Jesus live through you? Because that is where the production of the spiritual fruit comes from. He is the power source. He brings the nutrients. He brings the water. He brings the energy for living that life. Here's the problem that many Christians encounter. We accept another definition for the Christian life. Some of those things I mentioned earlier, some of them I mentioned last week, we think it is by our religious behavior, right? We think it's how many times we attended church. We think it's how many times we didn't cuss out loud when we just thought it, right? Some of y'all, right? Golf course, did I hit anybody on the head there? With your, with your children, ouch, right? We think, it's, we think it is being cut off in traffic and not using the middle finger to communicate God's love to the person who cut us off, right? If we don't do those things, or if we do do other things, if I set my alarm for 5.30 and read my Bible every morning, if I give my money or volunteer my time, if I serve others, and when it doesn't work, when you're not experiencing the fullness of life while you're doing those things, you think, then I just need to do more. I need to do more of that. 
I need to set my Bible or my alarm clock for five and read my Bible an extra 30 minutes. I need to give more of my money or more of my time. I need to censor myself even more. I need to do this or do that. We think it's about these behaviors. We think it's about trying harder or giving more of ourselves. Look, there's nothing wrong with trying harder. There's nothing wrong with giving more of your time or your money. There's nothing wrong with getting up earlier to spend more time with God. There's nothing wrong with hitting your knees for longer periods and praying more often. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not the source of life. That's a substitute vine. That's like putting a a silk tree up here and expecting it to grow real fruit. It's dead and it's dry and it's fruitless. Real life comes from being rooted in Jesus and staying rooted in Jesus and letting Jesus empower that living. In fact, the real life comes when you fully lay yourself down and submit to him. And let him live the Christian life through you. You stop trying to produce that fruit. You just follow him and keep following him. And when you stub your toe and when you trip and you fall, when you sin, you repent, you turn around. Stay in him and give up on doing it yourself and let him do it. Through you, let him do it in you. Dang it, just let him do it for you. Because he is capable, he is willing, he is able, he is ready to do it for you. If you'll get out of his way, Christian, get out of the way. God's ready to move in your life. He's been ready for years. Get out of the way. Let Jesus live. Let the real vine, the one true vine empower your life he is the vine you are the branches stop trying to be the vine just be the branch stop trying to be the vine and be the branch because the branch is what was made to produce the fruit the branch produces the fruit the branch produces the life as long as it is attached and remains attached to the vine. Heavenly Father, thank you for the illustration of the vine and the branches. Thank you for this message this morning, for the truth about living the real life that you've prepared for us, the real life that you have in store for us, the life that you designed us to live and desire us to live. Too many people in this room who claim your name, too many people who say they are Christians, and they are, are living dry, dead, fruitless lives because they're living on their own. They're living by their own power. This morning, Christian, get out of God's way. Let Jesus live through you. I'm going to do something completely different, something I didn't even plan for. I didn't prepare the worship team or the tech team or anybody else for this. If you're a Christian this morning who's living that dry, dead life, and you're ready for some refreshing 
if you're ready to tap back in to the vine, I want you to do something very bold. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to walk up here to this platform. I want you to gather right here at the front, right at the center aisle, and we're going to pray for you and pray over you. We're going to pray together and ask God to get you out of the way and to let him live in you and through you and for you. Is there anybody this morning who's bold enough, any Christians who are ready to just stand up and confess that they are dry and dead and cold and they're ready to have that refreshing, that revival in their life? Totally didn't plan this. Praise God, here they come. I'm gonna sit down here. That's it. While the band is is just kind of figuring out what Pastor Todd is doing here, what the Lord is doing here, what he's up to, I just want to give one more opportunity. I think there's somebody who's sitting here this morning who's really wanting to get up, and they're afraid of what other people will think. They're worried about maybe what their spouse would think or their child would think. You're a Christian living a cold, dry, dead life, and you know it, and you know what you need. I'm asking you to be real with yourself and real with your church this morning, and just come up here. Be real with God. Come up here. Bible says that we should confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. Walking up this aisle and sitting on this stage is just a confession of where you are or maybe where you are not. Listen, I was there just a couple of months ago when God put this on my heart. I was living a dry life. I was not producing the spiritual fruit that God had called me to and he made me aware and I confessed and I repented and he has lit me up. He has just greened up my life. And I'm just grateful for him. And I want you to experience what I've experienced in that. Praise God. I'm so glad that all of you are ready to re-engage the vine, ready to get out of God's way and let him live through you. I want to pray for you right now. And I would just ask Elevation Church, if all of you would just continue um, in this spirit of prayer right now, if you just keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And let's just lift these folks up to the Lord this morning. And let's ask him to do what only he can do. And that is to bring revival, refreshment. That he can bring real power for living real life back into these hearts, back into these lives as they're re-rooted in him. Let's pray together. My Lord and my God, what a privilege this morning to sit here to tell this church about what you have done and are doing in my life as you have brought revival and refreshment to me. Father, I pray this morning that every single one of these people, every one of these Christians this morning will repent. That they will turn away from the little G gods, the idols of their lives, whatever those things are. God, that they would return to you, that they would run back to the one true vine, that they would plug in, that they would just submit themselves to you and stop trying to live the Christian life and let you live through them and by that produce the spiritual fruit and live the real life that you've planned and prepared 
that you've designed and that you, in fact, desire for them. In the name of Jesus, we bind Satan from them. In the name of Jesus, we pray your protection over them. And in the name of Jesus, we claim victory and send them back into this world, this dark, dying world, as beacons of light, of refreshment, and of good spiritual fruit. In your holy name we pray. Amen.